I used to be a huge fan of The Walking Dead. I loved that show. And I actually don't know if any show ever has captivated our imagination like that show did when it first came out. I mean, it's fascinating to think about what we would do if some type of event came along where it was almost the end of the world. Whether it's a chemical warfare, whether it's something through technology or something more realistic like zombies. I mean, man, who knows how we would deal with that. And surviving that stuff is fascinating to me. I, I love prepper shows. I love, I love to read articles about prepping. It's weird. I don't do a lot of the stuff, but I like to research it. And, and I find it fascinating that people are consumed with how to survive the end times. And, and, and as scary as zombies seem to be, I think surviving the holidays might be a little scarier. I don't know if there's any more stressful time than the holiday season. Starts about Thanksgiving, it goes through New Year's, and we're just oversaturated with financial pressure, scheduling pressure, um, presents, get-togethers, all of this stuff that literally takes the joy out of the holiday season. So our goal for this series is real, real simple. We want to get you prepped to not survive this holiday season, but to thrive during this holiday season. If there was ever a season where we needed to end on a high note, somebody say, man, it's 2020. (laughs) Over the last two weeks, we've talked about how you deal with stress during the holidays. Last week, we talked about how you deal with finances during the holidays. But today might be the biggest one of them all. Today might be the reminder that we all need, especially me, as we get ready to go into the stretch run of the holidays, this might be the thing that dictates whether or not you thrive, whether you survive, or whether you literally die during the holiday season. We're going to be talking today about how you deal with difficult people during the holidays. The holidays are that one time a year that those people that you have avoided all year, certain family members, somebody say amen, Amen. suddenly you have no choice but to be around them. The holidays are that time of year that that employee at work that you really just don't like, but because your cubicle is five down from them, you figured a way to come into the office and avoid them all year long. But now you know you have to go to the Christmas party, and they're going to be drunk, and they're going to be close talking to you, and you just have to tolerate them for one night. We're saturated with people during the holidays. We're dealing with, with difficult people as you're out shopping. People fighting over a Tickle Me Elmo. I just dated myself there with that reference. In the store. I intentionally saved this message today because it seems like the get-togethers happen about two weeks before Christmas. So we're about to enter into the 14-day stretch of having to be social and fake it till we make it with people that we just genuinely don't like. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. 
I love my family. But I, I don't always love when it's time to get together with the family. Let's just be honest. Family gatherings, we like to think that they're going to be like a Norman Rockwell painting. And it's just simply not the case. We like to think that everyone's going to be sitting around the table, their beautiful Christmas sweaters on, the perfectly baked turkey that's going to be sliced, wonderful. The turkey's always juicy in the picture. It's always dry in real life. But it looks a whole lot more like Christmas vacation by the end of the day. Uncle John's drank too much. Your sister Jessica's talking nonstop about her love life in detail, about the latest crack addict she's dating. Are we hitting close to home? Grandma's giving compliments. But have you ever noticed as grandma gets a little bit older, the compliments come a little more jaded? <laughs> Honey, this casserole is almost as good as Jane's. You were so thoughtful to make it. Did, did you use a box? My grandmother literally, literally looked at my daughter a few years ago at Christmas and said, you have turned into such a beautiful young lady. You were such an ugly baby. I'm just sitting there like, what? Like when you get old, you can just say that. You can say whatever you want to say. And it gets real, real awkward during the holidays. And this year, we have two other elements to add to it. We've got politics. Woo! And we got COVID. We've got the blue versus red debate and the mask or not mask debate. So it takes already a stressful time. We showed up at Thanksgiving at Christine's grandmother's. I can't remember what she had on the sign. It said, uh, welcome, we're so glad you're here. There will be no talks of politics. There will be no talks of viruses. I mean, she had laid out the rules of what was going to happen. Those rules were followed because I timed it for seven minutes and 12 seconds. And it started discreetly enough. It started with each little faction in their corners. I wonder what they think about blah, 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 blah. And they're over there, what do they think? But then the problem is you get a little bit louder as the alcohol starts to come in. And then suddenly the faction on the other side of the room, here's this faction on this side of the room. And what'd you say? And then you add to the element that in our family, you have me, who's kind of outspoken. And then you have my father-in-law, who's kind of outspoken. Then you add Christine's aunt, who lives in North Carolina, who's kind of outspoken. And we all three are on the same side of the fence. We've been called bullies and jerks. And family gatherings just get real, real awkward. But family's family, right? So you got to figure out, man, do you kill each other? Which I'm not opposed to. 
Or do you learn to deal with difficult people? And again, it's not just family. There's co-workers. They, they can drive you nuts during the holidays. All anybody cares about in the workforce during the holidays is they make sure they get their time off and their days off. They don't care if you get your time off. <laughs> and life can just get hectic during the holidays. And so we're going to talk about how you deal with difficult people. You can either let difficult people control your life and ruin your day, or you can learn some biblical principles that come to dealing with difficult people. What I love about this series is it shows how relevant the Bible is. We've talked about stress. We've talked about finances. Today we're going to talk about difficult people. In a book that was written thousands upon thousands of years ago still has the answer to those questions. It's an amazing book. God gave us a book that's a guidepost through life. And as you're dealing with how to deal with difficult people, the best place to start is you start in Romans chapter 12. I would encourage you this week to go home and read Romans chapter 12. If you have your Bibles today, which I know most of you don't because we keep it too dark to read them anyway. So here's the deal. They'll be up on the screen, but we're going to be going through Romans chapter 12. It's literally an executive summary of what it means to be an all-out, sold-out follower of Jesus. But it's also a chapter that is all about relationships. The entire chapter, Romans chapter 12, is about how we should live our lives around other people. Let me repeat that. The entire chapter is about how we should live our lives around other people. Not how other people should live their lives around us. Check out Romans 12, 18. The Bible says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on who? Listen, I know we're a white church. And I know you're not used to talking back to the preacher. But let's act like we got just 10% of soul today and you help me out today, okay? The Bible says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on not me, you. Not them, you. Not your aunt, you. Not your father-in-law, you. Not your mother-in-law, you. Not the kids, you. The Bible says if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Small verse, big thought. And one of the things that jump out to me immediately about this verse is the Bible says if... It is possible. Let me make this very clear to you today. There will be some people that you cannot live at peace with. Let me repeat that. There will be some people in life you cannot live at peace with. Paul understood this when he was writing this. He said, when it is possible, and then he goes on to say, as much as it depends on you. The Bible says in another place, listen, we're to give an account for ourselves. We're not responsible for other people. Other people are being jerks. The Bible says, hey, when it depends on you. Other people are being argumentative as much as it depends on you. Other people are trying to goad you into fighting as far as it depends on you. Listen, quit using other people as an example of why you act like an a-hole. Says it depends on you. As much as it depends on us, we are responsible for our own actions. 
we are to live at peace with everyone. So when you're at the family gathering and a family member's trying to be difficult, guess what? We give an account for ourselves. We're responsible for how we act. There are going to be some people you can't live at peace with. I've got a group of people that right now in my life I simply cannot live at peace with. I don't like them. I don't like their beliefs. I don't like their views. I don't like their personality. I'm always down to the point that I don't even like their haircuts. I just don't like them. There's going to be some people like that. (laughs) But we're supposed to do what's possible to live at peace with everyone. We're to do what's possible, but sometimes that is impossible. (laughs) That's the way it goes. So let me make this very clear. There's going to be some people in life you can't live at peace with. One of the biggest lies in Christianity is that we all have to get along. That's a lie. The Bible never says we all have to get along. The Bible says we're to love each other. I'm going to break that down for you here in a few minutes. But we do not have to get along with each other. Even Paul. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, didn't live at peace with everyone. As you read the New Testament, you'll find he had a falling out with John Mark, who wrote part of the Bible, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And guess what they did? They went their separate ways. That's okay. You don't have to get along with everyone. On the other side of that, though, is you don't have to fight with everyone you don't get along with. As we're getting ready to deal with difficult people, we need to remember to do everything in our power to live at peace with people. We're to carry ourselves in the way that Christ would have carried himself. No matter how difficult the person is, we have the power, we have the ability to do that. So here's the deal. As fit, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That sounds great. There's not a person here that wouldn't amen that. But let's get down to the bare tags. It sounds great to tell me to live at peace with everyone. Now, I need you to tell me how to live at peace with everyone. The other day, someone called me. We moved into our new house, and I wanted to do something. They said, you just go blah, blah, blah. I said, man, blah, blah, blah sounds awesome. How do you do that? What do you mean? I said, I need you to tell me step by step what you're talking about. Because I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. You can tell me all day long what I need to do. I need you to tell me how to do what you're telling me to do. So God, awesome. You want me to live at peace with everyone. If it was so easy, I would do it. It's not. I had this horrible thing called opinions. I had this horrible thing called a personality. I had this horrible thing called preferences. I had this horrible thing called an attitude. I had this horrible thing called a temper. I had this horrible thing called I just don't like some people. And my wife says when I don't like people, it's very obvious. (laughs) She tells me you're the worst faker in the world. So I need some help. You want me to live at peace with everyone? How do we do it? That's what's so awesome about this book. It's not a book of commands. It's a book of commands followed by step-by-step instructions on how to live those out. Last night, we had dealt with a car broke down in front of our house. And I said, I heard if you do this, this might work. 
You know we're in bad shape when I'm giving car advice. We're like in bad shape. But he said the starter is out. And I had heard you can hit a starter with a hammer and sometimes a starter will work. I don't know if that's true, but it sounded good. It made me feel important for a moment. Until he said, where's the starter? I did what any proud man would do. I said, don't you got YouTube on your phone? I didn't tell him I didn't know. I said, I got to go finish unpacking the garage. Looked that up on YouTube. For the record, I don't know if it was a starter, but hitting the starter with the hammer did not work. But I need step-by-step instructions. The YouTube video gave us step-by-step instructions. Romans 12 gives us principle after principle on how to deal with difficult people. The first one is this. We're to love others even when they're difficult to love. You might as well start with the hardest one. We're to love others even when they're difficult to love. Romans 12.10 says this. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another. Don't miss this. Honor one another above yourself. The word love here, there's different versions of love in the Bible. You've heard me say this 10 million times. We have a very limited vocabulary in the English language. So we use the word love, and it doesn't necessarily have the meaning that it did in the Bible. We use the same word to tell my wife, I love you. And then I'll use the same phrase, say, man, I love pizza. Not quite the same type of love, but it's the word we use in the English language. In the Bible, they had different words for the word love. And the root of this word was talking about a brotherly love. Be devoted to one another in a brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. It's where we actually get the word Philadelphia from, the city of brotherly love. God's saying that we're to love people. Don't miss this, don't miss this. We're to love people not based on their actions, but we're to love people based on the fact that they're people and people are worthy of love. Be devoted to one another in love. It doesn't say be devoted to one another in love with those you agree with, those you like, those who believe like you believe, those who voted like you voted. It says be devoted to one another in love. Bible says in Mark, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. He said, he said you got to love God with everything that you are. He was asked what the greatest commandment was. He said, that's it. He said the second one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, there's no commandment greater than these. Think about that for a minute. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment by the Pharisees? And he came, first of all, and it seems like common sense, and said, love God with everything that you are. But then he came back, and without missing a beat, he didn't pause, he didn't stop, and he said, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, there's no greater commandment than these two. He didn't say one was greater than the other. He said, these two are greater than all the others. Think about that for a minute. God emphasizes our love for other people right up there with what's supposed to be our love for him. It's easy to love people when we have something in common with them. It's easy to love people when our personalities mesh. It's easy to to love people when they agree with everything that I say. Why wouldn't I love that? 
But we're to love difficult people. <laughs> I like to give you groundbreaking thoughts around here. You know what I've learned? It's a lot easier not to let people get under my skin when I have predetermined that I'm going to love them unconditionally. When I go in deciding I'm going to love no matter what, it's amazing how my patience grows with that person. Now notice something. He did not say you have to like them. He simply said you have to love them. There's no command to like every person. You know why? Because you're not going to like every person. Whether or not you like somebody is based on all those other things. Personality, points of views, commonalities, things we have in common, things we disagree with. That determines whether or not I like somebody. Love is a choice. You don't have to like to love. How many of you have kids? Answer your phone, tell them you're in church, and tell them they should be in church. How many of you have kids? How many of you always like your kids? How many of you, no matter what, always love your kids? Amazing how that works, isn't it? My wife tells me on many of occasion, my favorite thing to do when she's mad, because I need that self-assurance, like, you still love me? Oh, I love you. But I sure don't like you right now, which I find shocking, because I'm a likable kind of person. We're not commanded to like. We're commanded to love. <laughs> In order to love people, you have to see them for what they are. Even if it's something you don't like. I've learned this powerful thing. I'm able to step back to people. Let me rephrase that. When I am able to step back to people and put myself in their shoes, even if I don't agree with the shoes they're wearing, when I begin to see things through their point of view, it's easier for me to love them. Not even agree with them, but to love them. It's easier for me to say, okay, here's why they think this, because of this. Their life and their experiences dictate this and dictate that, so it makes more sense that they would have this point of view. Where I was raised this way and had this belief and had these experiences, therefore this is my point of view. <laughs> we, try to, we need to start looking back deep inside of people, trying to figure out, what in their life makes them feel the way they do? I said this over and over when we went into shutdown mode here in our country. I can't believe they're all, they, they, that you wouldn't shut down and you wouldn't do this. And, and, and of course they feel that way. They have family members that are older. They have, they have autoimmune issues and, and COVID affects them more. And, and then the people are like, man, we can't shut down. Of course they feel that way. They're operating businesses. And they're alive. If we step back and put ourselves in other people's shoes... It's easier to see their point of view in life. And when you see other people's point of view in life, it's easier to love them. It's not easy. 
If it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, God wouldn't tell us to do it. (laughs) But God says we're to be devoted to one another. We're supposed to love people. And that doesn't mean we love people when they're lovable. That's easy. Man, that's easy. It's hard when you got to love people who are unlovable. People that you see their life imploding because they make stupid decisions. People that you want to strangle sometimes. People that you want to see that are so weak-minded they can't get it together. But yet I, instead of me just crushing them, I have to love them. And when I love them, it's easier for me to be around them, to tolerate them, not want to kill them. I mean, I wouldn't kill Yeah, I would. Not to kill them. But we need to understand something. I said this a minute ago, but I want you to understand this. It's not easy to love the unlovable. But here's the biggest lie that we've grown up believing. We've grown up believing that love is a feeling. Love is an emotion. Mm-mm. Love's a choice. Love's a choice. You choose to, I don't feel like, I get it. But love's a choice. So you can choose to love or you can choose not to love. If you base it on your emotions, and that's why so many of your marriages don't work. Hello? Because today you feel like loving. Tomorrow they made you mad and you don't feel like loving. We bought into this Hollywood fantasy of what love is. It's, it's goo-goo eyes and this and unicorn farts and bubbles and walking through sunflowers and doing all this stuff. And, and that's not emotion. That is emotion. And you can't love based on emotion. You love based on a choice. And if you're going to get along with difficult people this holiday season, you better learn to love no matter what. This next one's hard too, but it actually helps you love. We're to pray for people even when they're difficult to pray for. Romans 12, 12. I like when the Bible just lays it out. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. It's a great verse in of itself. If you did nothing and gave no context to that verse, it's a great verse. It's great values to live by. When you give it of the context of Romans 12, when it's all about relationships and dealing with difficult people, he's saying being joyful in hope. Be patient in your affliction, your affliction of dealing with that person. Be faithful in prayer to that person. Hmm. Sometimes it's easy to read the word of God and think, man, that's just a little too simple. At first glance, they'll be like, man, that sounds easy, Gary. You want me to love the unlovable? Go try to do it. Go try to do it. That sounds simple. You want me to pray for them? How many of you ever tried to pray for someone you don't like? I'm going to be about as raw as I can be with you right now. Loving people that I don't like is hard. Praying for people that I don't like, I can't explain to you how hard it is. I've literally been in situations where I've gone to pray for people, and I, 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 this sounds really weird, I know it does, I can't get the words out of my mouth to pray for them. People that have attacked, people that have done me wrong, ripped me off, done what hurt people that I love, 
and then to come back and be able to utter the words and pray for them, that's hard. But if you're going to deal with difficult people, man, we got to pray for people, even when they're difficult to pray for. I, I got to be honest with you, <laughs> this is not very pastor-like. If you're a first-time guest, you're saying there ain't nothing pastor-like about anything you've said today. Well, we're going to take it up another notch today. I struggle for praying for people that I do like. Not because I don't want to pray for them, but just because I'm so busy and so hectic and so crazy, I, I just forget to do it. Like, I wish I could tell you I lock myself in my prayer closet for four hours a day and I pray God's blessing to rain down on all of you. And when I find out you have some kind of sickness, I won't leave the closet and I fast and I pray until you're healed. But I don't. One of you come up to me and ask me to pray for you, here's what you can be guaranteed of. The minute you ask, I'm going to walk away from you and I'm going to pray right there immediately. Because if I don't pray immediately, I'm going to forget about it. And that's people I like. Now you're telling me I got to pray for people I don't like? That's hard. But I got to tell you, man, there's something powerful about praying for people. I can remember trying to pray for people I don't like, and all I could do literally at the beginning of my prayer time with them was get their name out. Lord, I pray for blank. And literally not utter the next words. Then I felt like I found this loophole in the Bible. I was reading the Psalms one day. And I saw David. King David. The Bible says a man after God's own heart was praying for God to kill certain people. And I thought, man... He didn't tell me how to pray for him. So we went from baby uh, barely being able to utter their name to, Lord, I pray for blank and that you would just kill him. I pray their life would be hard. You see, you did that? I did. I'm not proud of it. But you know what would happen over time? Whole Holy Spirit thing. Conviction begin to set in. And the prayers of God make their life miserable, change to God, bless them. And Lord, help them. And Lord, help them to thrive. And Lord, I pray their business goes great and their relationships go great. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I'm not trying to be mystic here right now. Uh, let's just call it more supernatural because that's what this book is. When you begin to pray for another person, especially someone that you don't like and who is difficult, it's almost supernatural, the transformation that begins to happen eternally in you. You can't pray for God to bless somebody and still hold hatred in your heart towards that person. I wish I could give you a reason why that is. I cannot other than God knows what he's doing. And it's why he says to pray for them. And I'm going to tell you, it gets a lot easier, the steps I'm about to give you. But the praying for them is the game-changing one. It's game-changing. But you'll never get to the point of praying for difficult people. These steps are in order until you first realize you've got to love difficult people. 
It's hard. Matthew 5, 44 says, but I tell you, love your enemies. That love thing again. And pray for those who persecute you. Man, it just changes your life. It's power in the prayer. How about this one? Be a blessing to those who are difficult to be around. Be a blessing. Romans 12, 14, very next verse. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, I'm going to get, we're in the flesh here. Okay? I'm going to tell you what makes this one easy. Go back to the, the actual point, Xander. You can do this one and start off with the wrong motive. You can do it just to be spiteful. Now, eventually the spite will turn into love. But sometimes I just like to be nice to the people who hate me. I told you about the guy at the co-working space I work in. There's this guy at the co-working space I work in. And, like, the dude is just a jerk. Like, I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? And like, I, like, you ever just meet someone you can tell like he has some issue with you? And I'm, I don't even know this guy. But apparently he knows me. And I said something to the head of the thing. I said, man, I don't know what that guy's doing. He goes, oh, that guy hates you. I said, who is he? <laughs> he goes, this, they don't know me as a pastor. And he goes, you used to pastor a church? I said, I did. Oh, I think that guy went to your church. Oh, I used to go pastor a very large church. So I didn't know everybody in the church. I said, oh, that explains it. So for about three days, I was like, I'm just going to be a jerk back to him. And then I started, well, that's no fun. He wants me to be a jerk back to him. That justifies his hatred of me. So I'm going to start being nice to him. Like I go out of my way now to be nice to this guy. Turns out, because the creepiness of your phone, I start talking to the guy. I guess I'm friends with him on Facebook and didn't even know it. And all of a sudden, his Facebook stuff starts showing up on my timeline. So now I got the inner workings of what's going on in his life. Put myself in his shoes. And he made some posts, getting to speak at some conference. This is a dream come true for me. Oh. I see him the next day. I said, man, I saw you get to speak at that conference. That is incredible. Man, I want you to know I'm going to be praying that you knock it out of the park. Uh, 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 um. Thanks. Walks away. I got the worst memory in the world. Christine's actually going to get mad that I put this on my calendar because I don't put anything else on my calendar. I put it on my calendar when he was going to speak where afterwards I could go up to him and be a blessing, spiteful blessing, and say, hey, man, how did the conference go? Did it go great? Next week rolls around. I said, hey, man, how'd it go? I could tell he was floored that I remembered. Oh, man, it, it, got, it got postponed till next Thursday, and they're going to do it virtually now. Oh, man, you're going to kill it. You walked away, it's like, mine are in my phone. I even put follow up with the a-hole. That's what I put. I know that's not pastor-like, but that's what I put. Again, I know some of you are never coming back. That's okay. The next Thursday comes along. Man, how did you do it? How did it go? Was it awesome? Was it everything? He goes, it was incredible. Man, Thank you for asking. Now the dude goes out of his way to talk to me, and now I'm irritated that he does that. 
I'm like, wow, is that too nice to the guy? Now I got to be nice continually to him. My, my point is this. Be a blessing to those who curse you. <laughs> Remember our text verse, we're to live at peace with all people. As much as it depends on us. God never said it would be easy. We're just to do it. God says, live at peace with all people. And then he's so stinking awesome. He comes along and says, love them, pray for them, be a blessing to them. He's saying, out nice, the difficult person. Remember the uh, blue-collar comedy tour? I think it was Bill um, Ingvall. And he said, man, if your wife gets mad, you just take your clothes off. You can't argue with the naked person. <laughs> FYI, that doesn't work. <laughs> but, um, but here's the deal. It's difficult for a difficult person to be difficult towards you when you're being nice to them. They thrive on confrontation. I'll never forget this. I don't even know that. I don't think I've ever told Rick this story. So Rick, my father-in-law, I used to own a um, thrift store in town. And he had a budget truck rental place in the thrift store. And he had a partnership of some kind with his dad. And so his dad was up there, and you need to understand, Hal is a very dignified, sharp, soft-spoken man. And imagine this, Rick goes on a rampage. Right, he's ranting and raving. I don't even remember what he's ranting and raving about that day. And Hal was there. And so I walk outside, and I'm calm, and me and Rick talking. Literally, within like three minutes, Rick's calmed down. We come back in. And Hal goes, he's can I talk to you for a minute? He goes, how'd you calm him down? And I looked at him, I said, I just stayed calm. He said, huh? I said, he wants you to get mad and argue back with him. Because then it justifies that he's mad and he's arguing. But how's he going to keep screaming at me when I stay calm? Now, I can't say I've always done that with him. We've had some big blowups. It was just that particular day. It worked. My point is this. It's hard to be mean to someone when they're being nice to you, when they're being a blessing to you. And can you say, I don't want to do that. I, an eye for an eye. And listen, the Bible says as much as it depends on us, we're to live at peace with all people. <laughs> Man, it's hard. Because of my past in this town and what I used to pastor, I have people come to this church that, you know what, 11 years ago weren't there for me. That threw me under the bus, and now they're here. And your flesh is my God. No, 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 no. It's not going to work. But you'll be a blessing to people. And when you're a blessing to people, it just makes it a little easier to be around those difficult people. <laughs> Go to the family gathering this year determined to be a blessing. Smile. Listen, I know this one's hard. Don't engage in the fights. Build up the difficult person and just watch them defuse. Look what the Bible says in Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome difficult people by being a blessing to them. So we're going to love, we're going to pray, we're going to bless those other people. We're going to stay humble. We're going to stay humble. 
Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Be willing to be associated with people who don't agree with you. Being willing to be associated with people who are difficult. Don't be conceited. <laughs> and again, easier said than done. Being humble is not my forte. When I get around people who are difficult, my natural reaction is to swell up almost arrogantly with pride. Christine will tell you, she goes, you lock your jaw, you throw your shoulders back. I can just tell you're just trying to intimidate them. You're just trying to let them know. And and then they're difficult and and, and you want to kind of come back with all the answers. He says, be a bigger person. Stay humble. Go out of your way to associate with people who are a pain. Instead of walking around like I'm better than them because my views are my views. Humble yourself. And it's harder when you don't like someone. I've got people in my life who have completely different views on life than me that I like. And I'm able to have great conversations with them. But when I don't like someone, I'm anything but humble. I want to post when something that has my leaning is right. <laughs> I'm right, bam. Let me stick it in your face. <laughs> we have to control our ego. Ego, man, pride. Emotions will just bring us down. <laughs> but if we say some, stay humble. We humble ourselves. Even when they're flapping that jaw, when they're giving that other, man, that's all. Yeah. Just smile. The Bible says in Proverbs 3.34, the Lord mocks the mockers. But he's gracious to the humble. Gracious to the humble. When we stay humble around difficult people, I don't know what it is, but somehow God gives us the grace to deal with them. When we get in our power and we let pride control us and we just have to be right. You ever wonder what being right's cost us? Sometimes being right costs us friendships. Sometimes just for the sake of being right, it costs us family members. Sometimes just for the sake of being right, it costs us jobs. Just for you to prove what you already knew. You were right. Stay humble. And you know what I've learned over the years is when I know I'm right, like really, really right, it's easier to stay humble because I know I'm right. The issues that I start to get real argumentative about and try to prove that I'm right, normally the issues that maybe I got just a twinge of doubt about whether I am right. And while I'm trying to convince them, I'm also trying to get that last step of convincing me. Mm, That wasn't even in my notes. That was free today. When I'm right, I'm right. I don't got to argue with you. I don't care your opinion. I'm right. Cool. 
Cool. I'm right. I'm going to go about my day. You argue about it all day long. I got some things I, I know that I'm right about that are going on in our country right now. Guess what? I don't care. I don't care. That was the big thing this week where an event was going on and, and critics were coming out and everybody was all in uproar and they're like, how do you deal with it? People are mad. I said, I, I don't care. Because I know I'm right. I'm going to put on an event. I, I, I know what we need to do. We need community. I feel, that's a conviction of mine. I don't care. Let there be a thousand negative comments. I'll take the 5,000 people showing up who needed the community over that. I'm right. I don't got to fight over it. It was the issues that I fight over. I'm like, oh, maybe I ain't right. Let me prove it to myself. Stay humble. This last one, man, this applies to so much life. We're going to get out of here because I'm hungry. We're going to let go and let God. Romans 12. I'm telling you, you need to go read Romans 12 this week. You ought to read it every day. That's your homework assignment for the week. Two minutes a day, read Romans 12. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. The younger generation, this might seem like an unloving God. I look at it as a, a just God. My dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. Human nature is to say, I'm going to handle difficult people myself. God said, breathe. Let me handle it. You know what I found out about God? He's a whole lot better at handling it than I am. Can I tell you something else I found out about God? Very, very rarely, like 0.01% of the time, does he ever handle it the way I'd have handled it. Because I want to handle it to prove I'm right. God handles it to restore. God handles it to teach. God handles it to grow us. I handle it to make you look stupid. I handle it to make you suffer. And don't miss this. God handles it because he loves. Let God deal with it. And unfortunately, sometimes the way God deals with it is heartbreaking. Because sometimes it takes breaking hearts to get people to realize God's God. Your life would be a whole lot simpler if you quit trying to control it and you just let God control it. He'd be, he's a whole lot better at running your life than you are. The way we deal with difficult people is the same way we deal with everything wrong. Drank too much to deal with them. I got to have a couple drinks to deal with them. Yes, because that makes it so much better, you stupid idiot. Remember, someone told me the other day, I quit my job because of this coworker. He's an idiot. I said, How'd that work out for you? Like, quit his job, can't find another job now. All stressed about it. I'd hate to know I'm a grown man. And I couldn't function around a difficult person. Come home to my wife and my kids and say, we can't pay the bills because I didn't like Jim Bob over there. (laughs) Grow up. 
Here's the funny thing. I don't think, he probably don't think it's funny. Is he quit the job over it. And Jim Bob gave his notice 10 days later. If he'd have let God, God would have God. Is that a word, God would have God? It is in my language. I think there's any area I've grown in over the last few years, it's letting God. God's in control. I have learned you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Man, my plans six months ago was I was moving to the country to live on a farm. Farmer Gary. Now I live in a neighborhood around neighbors who are bringing me cookies. God knows better. I like the cookies better than the cow. Let God. Man. We're idiots. I say that lovingly. God's God. Let go and let God. Let God deal with that person. Some of you on social media, do you really think you're convincing anyone that you're right? You're not. You're not. Just let God deal with them. God's powerful that way. Two weeks of people coming up. Christmas parties and Christmas gatherings. And it might be a little less this year because we're social distancing. But we're also Georgian. We don't follow that too great. So we'll be Christmas presenting and Christmas gathering and work gathering and getting together. and We're going to be around people we don't like. So what do we do? We love. We pray. We bless. We stay humble. And we let go and we let God. It's really where I take out my camera and my phone and take a picture of that. Because you're going to need a reminder of it. As much as it depends on us, we're to live at peace with all people. Christmas prep for the holidays? Realize that peace starts with us, not others. Let's pray.